Hello and welcome back to State of Mind with me, Grace Kingswell. This is the last episode in the five-episode mini-series that I've been running pre-baby. And actually, by the time this airs, I will probably already have that baby. (sighs) The podcast will be taking a little break while I adjust to motherhood, but I will be back with more episodes in the future. I'd love to know if there are any topics that I haven't covered that you'd like me to look into or guests that you'd like to hear on the podcast. So do get in touch with me via Instagram. So today I've got Jade Layton back on the pod to talk about protein. The idea came to us because we're constantly astounded by the lack of protein on people's plates that we see on Instagram and also in our food diaries from new clients. And once we decided to do this episode, I couldn't actually believe that I haven't covered it before, as it's just so basic and so essential. In this episode, we cover what protein is, why we need it, whether all protein is created equally, how much you should consume per day, types of protein powders, how to combine plant protein sources, and how to get kids eating more protein as well. We cover a lot as ever, but it's such a fab episode and absolutely vital listening for everyone. I think you'll enjoy this one. As ever, if you do, please go ahead and leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts app. Jade can be found, if you don't know her already, at underscore Jade Layton on Instagram. And let's get on with the episode. Jade, you are back on the podcast. Is this your second or third third appearance? Third appearance. Third appearance. I can't can't remember what we talked about last time. How dare you? (laughs) Fat. Mm. And before that, intuitive eating. Oh, yes. Yes. Two very popular episodes, I have to say, when I look at my downloads. Um, And today's episode is on a topic that I can't believe I haven't covered before, actually, on this podcast. I think sometimes I think that people know the basics and so I should talk about complicated things and but actually today we are going to go back to basics but we're going to give a lot of background and information on protein which is an essential macronutrient what is a macronutrient Uh, a macronutrient protein fat carbohydrate they are what we need a lot of let's say in our diet as opposed to the micronutrients which are things like vitamins and minerals So this is a topic very close to both of our hearts, I feel, um, with the introduction of eggs and veg and trying to, you know, encourage not only our our fans on social media, I shouldn't say fans, followers, (laughs) my only fans account on social media, um, but also our clients that we work with to eat more protein. Because I don't know about you in your clinical practice, but something I see very regularly is people coming to me who are really severely under eating protein on their on their intake food diaries. So to kick us off, Jade, and people know who you are. So if you want to if you want to introduce yourself, you can. But synopsis, Jade is a nutritional therapist. She's also a qualified personal trainer. She is intensely knowledgeable on all things nutrition and, and functional medicine. So Jade, why do we need protein? Why do we need protein? Thanks for that beautiful intro, friend. Um, fr- 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 <laughs> Thanks, friend. I was like, friend? <laughs> friend, Grace. Um, friend. Uh, why do we need protein? We need protein for a lot more reasons than I think a lot of people realise. I think because protein has been so kind of widely associated with 
um, training and exercise in the kind of mainstream media and in social media and things like that. Um, we forget the fact that protein is actually, um, apart from water, is the main component. It's the second largest, largest component in our bodies. So protein makes up 20% of our body and our bodies need protein to sustain life because it's responsible for building, well, a big part of every single cell in our body. Um, and we also use proteins to make neurotransmitters, to help us make hormones, various other bits and pieces. Um, you know, it makes up the majority of our muscle, a huge amount of our skin, our blood. So we need protein for um, a number of things outside of that kind of muscle growth. Um, but it is traditionally understood as that kind of growth and repair tissue um so we need it whenever we are trying to heal whenever we're unwell whenever we're stressed if we're growing a baby if we're a child if we're old and you know we're trying to stay fit and avoid our bones breaking and our muscles wasting um but we also use it as an energy source um it's needed to help us break down our food and assimilate our food um for healthy skin, hair, nails, um, to maintain and support our immune system and sustain a normal digestive system um, and help with the integrity of the gut lining. So they're just a few things um, that we need <laughs> protein for. <laughs> it's um, essentially everything, I think, is the answer to that question. Yeah. And you're so right to lead with the fact that uh, I think the confusion has come from this this idea of like getting the gains with a yeah. z in particular yeah. um and you know we see a lot on social media are you know macro tracking and people that are on a fitness journey who are just tracking their macros so they might eat a meal that's just chicken and some rice and some vegetables but they're not thinking about the wider use of protein within the body and conversely those people are, are apart from a diet that's not particularly diverse are probably quite healthy in terms of what they're putting on their plate but you're right it has kind of been misconstrued as this this nutrient that we just need for growing muscle and I was really shocked to see quite recently on Instagram on a, a huge account um someone saying um who's not a qualified nutritionist at all someone saying don't worry about protein you don't need as much as you think which is literally the opposite of actually <laughs> which is the opposite what's going on in in most people's diets i would say there is something that's important about this but it's another it's another kind of missing piece of the puzzle that gets forgotten about which is actually increasing lean muscle mass does raise our metabolic rate, help us burn body fat, but it also regulates our body temperature. It keeps us strong, healthy, supported. And even like if you go back to kind of the dreaded COVID, um, you know, people with higher <coughs> amounts of lean muscle mass had more chances of surviving and almost kind of thriving through the illness. And if you look at lean muscle mass um, kind of correlated to chronic conditions and um, people kind of avoiding getting sick, it's really strongly correlated. So it is important for all of us to actually focus on having enough muscle in the body as well. But yes, definitely, it's been associated with kind of being really ripped. Um, and it's not the case, because the thing is, is that 
protein, the way that protein works in the body is that it's constantly um, sort of building up and breaking down. So we've got this constant um, turnover the whole time. Um, and we need um, a, a significant amount of dietary protein every day in order to um, allow that protein turnover to work efficiently and effectively. And that's mm-hmm. for everybody. Um, and if we don't, um, we don't sustain ourselves with enough dietary protein, then it will just break down the, pro- the protein that we have in the body in the form, you know, our skin and our nails and our hair and our muscles and our bones. And we start to get exactly, sick. Exactly. And you yeah. can start to see it. You can almost see in a person, you know, if you're a well-trained kind of practitioner, if they're not eating enough protein, just from the kind mm. of integrity of their skin and their hair and whether they're having a period and all of those things, you know? Yeah. And I think this is a really interesting point, which is that how much protein do we need to just sustain life, i.e. to keep up with this process, which is called protein turnover that happens, as as you said, in the body every single day? And how much do we actually need to be optimal? Mm-hmm. And that's the really interesting thing, because that's where you see this huge um, disparity between people who are eating, let's just say the bare minimum of, to, to kind of sustain that protein synthesis. And there is a calculation that we use to figure out how much that is per person, where you're multiplying your kilograms of body weight um, against a specific number of grams of protein. Um And then you see people that are consuming much, much, much more. And there's obviously a sliding scale in between that that, that's based on the individual. But it's a really interesting idea of, you know, how much do we need to just sustain life and how much do we need to be optimal? Um, So maybe we can just talk about that quickly. Sure. So (laughs) this actually kind of it goes a little bit back to the fat pod so if you haven't I actually quite like that fat pod um if you have maybe we should rename what was the name of that episode <laughs> it was like, like the truth about fat or something like that the truth about fat and cholesterol let's just call it fat pod <laughs> so we could start a podcast series called fat pod that would be great I'd enjoy with that with Grace and Jade <laughs> <laughs> just every every time we're just talking about butter we're talking about eggs we're talking about yogurt yeah. um no but if you actually ref- if you go back to the fat pod um listeners if you haven't listened to that one the truth about fat from the last series um there's a lot on kind of you know how we got to um the narrative on fat and there's in some respects it's that kind of (laughs) going back in the past understanding how we get something like our rda for protein because actually the recommended daily allowance um or the recommended nutrient intake for protein in the UK is 0.75 grams per kilogram of body weight and in the in the US it's 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight now I don't know a lot about where the recommended RDA from the UK came from but I do know because it's like often in nutrition a lot is talked about you know in the US terms and I do know that the American recommended daily allowance actually dates back to nitrogen balance studies that were being done sort of 80 odd years ago in the second world war and the reason why they were doing those studies at the time was because they were desperately trying to figure out the best ways of feeding 
all of those soldiers that were overseas. Mm. And the, they started looking at data from actual animal husbandry studies, which were kind of used to figure out how to grow and raise animals as cheaply as possible. So all of a sudden you're like, hang on a minute, they're looking at kind of bare minimums of what they need to feed animals. And then they extrapolate that data and they start to apply it to soldiers. Um, and the important thing to note was that, you know, the average male soldier back in those days weighed 143 pounds, which is just over 10 stone for a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got to this nitrogen balance study that basically was a crude measure to say, OK, it's going to be about 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight but that was minimum that was the bare bare minimum and that still is the minimum so the recommended daily allowance traditionally is what you need to avoid disease it is not Mm -hmm. what you need to thrive but interestingly enough at the same time you know obviously they needed to feed all these soldiers cheaply etc etc but if a soldier was injured they could increase their intake to about 250 grams of protein a day. And they saw a 50% increase in the speed of their healing. Wow, that's so interesting. Exactly. Because the whole point is, is when we are in, when our bodies are in need of more, we need to put in considerably more. Um, Mm. And actually, we're just not similar um to those soldiers 80 odd years ago and that recommended daily allowance would probably be for somebody who's very sedentary not really doing any exercise not really trying to gain well definitely not trying to build any muscle anything like that and um, also not trying to cope with the rigors of daily living in life. the 21st century which is a heavily polluted environment and let's not forget we need protein to be able to detoxify our bodies adequately yeah exactly methionine um, which is one of the um essential amino acids is really important for that it's also important for um the uptake of zinc and selenium and you know so yeah. like amino acids are very complicated amino acids are the building blocks of protein and we, there's a lot of them and they all have different purposes in the body. So again, I think there's a, uh, people get very kind of absorbed with the macronutrient that is protein mm. and they very much don't realize that actually protein can, is made up of, well, there are 22 different amino acids and nine of them are essential and six of them are kind of conditionally essential and there's there's so much more to it. Yeah, and there's also a whole heap of vitamins and minerals. So you're getting your macronutrients, but you're also taking in the micronutrients. It's like when we say that, you know, liver or oysters are a multivitamin you know yes they provide you with protein but actually the gains that you can get the gains Gains. that you can get from that (laughs) in terms of your nutrient density and your micronutrient density is exponential and um, just circling back to that idea of you know what is enough and what is optimal Mm -hmm. just done some quick maths um, much like Chandler and Friends Um, really hope people get that reference I was going to say this is now testing your maths as well Grace well, no, I have a calculator. It's fine. So, <clears throat> you know, when perhaps when you hear or see people say things like you don't need as much as you think on social media, they're looking at this calculation that they've Googled or they've seen you need naught point, let's say it's 0.8 um, grams of protein per kilogram of body mass. Yeah. So for me, as a as a 
I definitely don't weigh this anymore, but as a pre-pregnant woman. As a lean, as a lean bean. As a lean bean, I think I weighed about nine, let's say nine stone. So 57 kilograms times 0.8 is 45.6 grams of protein a day. Yeah. That is not much. If we if we look at some common foods, so there's about seven grams of protein in one egg. Yeah. And there's about 20 grams of protein in a chicken breast. Well, yeah, depending on the size, about 20 to 24. And also that'd be the same as something like salmon. Um, yeah. So then you see people are having meals where perhaps they're only having a portion of chicken that's like the size of their palm. So a, a piece of salmon or a piece of ch- um, chicken, let's say. They're only having that at like one meal. So they might have their breakfast and it might contain bits of protein from other sources like nuts or seeds or a little bit from grains or whatever. But then they're just having, you know, that one meal in the evening where they're having what we would call a quality source of protein Mm. and you can see very quickly how it's not enough yeah and and when you're talking about that so that's remember that is the bare bare minimum and I minimum I really I really think it's just wrong actually it's not it's not accurate anymore because you say that we live in a very toxic environment for me it's stress because stress will absolutely will it's it's a catabolic process, which means that it breaks, it encourages adrenaline, neuroadrenaline, which are catabolic hormones in a way. They're neurotransmitters, but they can be seen as hormones in this sense, in terms that they encourage the breakdown of protein. Now, in short bursts, obviously, as we know, acute stress is not problematic. And actually, that's exactly what exercise may do. It may cause that acute stress that short burst of breakdown, which is actually how we then synthesize. So for example, if, you, if you're breaking down, but you're also trying to build at the same time and you add in protein, this is where you get the growth. But the point is, is that if you make that stress chronic and it's over long periods of time and it's every day and you're tired and wired and you're literally, your adrenals are going like the clappers, then mm. you are constantly in a process of catabolism and breaking down and therefore having that chicken breast and you know some one egg on your plate for breakfast is just it's meager like that is not going to help you to be a healthy individual and you will start to lose protein in you know, the places where you don't need it. So your hair will start to fall out and your nails will be weak and your skin will be bad and then maybe your period will stop and, you know, things will start to happen over time because you're just not getting enough. I actually would recommend that um, we should be having up to one... Well, it depends if we're going in pounds or in kilos, but if we're carrying on with kilos... I would say up to two grams per kilogram of body weight of protein mm. a day. Yeah. If you are stressed, you're training a little bit, you're active, you know, maybe you're trying to heal something, maybe you're trying to heal your gut or something like mm. that. You just need a lot. And and it's difficult because I know it comes into a cost thing, but again, it's priorities, isn't it? Yeah. You could have, let's say, 40 grams of protein three times a day at each meal and you know that sounds like a lot but actually that could be perfectly fine depending on your requirements your activity levels you know what what kind of health goals you're trying to achieve and actually you know eggs and veg is amazing but there is a flaw there because 
I always reshare what I get tagged in. But sometimes you are just like you, you have a client that says, oh, I've been doing eggs and veg. I feel amazing. But I'm, I'm way more hungry afterwards than when I ha- used to have my bowl of porridge. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, so what are you putting on your plate? Oh, I'm having like one egg, some tomatoes and some like green vegetables. Not enough. I know some of the plates the concept- that you reshare, I look at them like, oh my God, this portion is minute. Like, but do you know literally. what? People are still doing, they're still doing better than they were before. Exactly. Let's, let's be exactly. And that is, that is fantastic. And that is a step in the right direction. But the concept of eggs and veggies, it's a protein savory meal. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be yeah. an egg and a vegetable. It's, it's protein first thing. And, you know, we've been fasting overnight for maybe kind of 12 hours, maybe more if you had an early supper. Mm. when you wake up in the morning in that fasted state we we do need those essential building blocks of life and it's like you were saying protein is actually the macronutrient that is most essential because we can create energy without carbohydrates don't necessarily need those for energy production and we get fat from good quality sources of protein Mm -hmm. so it's the most important let's talk about this idea of, you know, is all protein created equally? Um, And this will lead us into probably quite an interesting discussion about the different types of protein, the plant-based sources, the animal sources, and, you know, really where people should be looking if they want to have that optimal health. Okay. And we're going to leave, I'm just going to say, we're going to leave ethics out of this for a moment because you and I both work with clients who have certain um, ideas about what they want to consume and what they don't want to consume. And before we go into the conversation, we're not we're not basing this on ethics. We're just talking about this from a health perspective. Okay, yeah, definitely. Because obviously all conversations when it comes to nutrition can get a little convoluted and multi-layered. Yeah. So let's start with the basics. So is all protein created equal? Um, the answer is no. (laughs) Um, and it goes back to what I was sort of, what I mentioned earlier, I didn't go into much detail, but it's the concept of the fact that proteins are made up of amino acids and, um, and all of these amino acids are necessary for different things in the body. Um, and some of them we need a lot of, you know, if we want to kind of gain muscle, for example, we need our branch chain amino acids, which is our leucine, our isoleucine and our valine. Um, and we need basically some amino acids from our diet and some we can make in the body. And those that we need from the diet that cannot be made in the body are the essential amino acids. And there are nine of those. Now, you, apart from soy, buckwheat, quinoa, that's near enough it, you will not find all those nine essential amino acids in a plant protein. So, we need um, animal sources, and you know that includes fish um, and dairy and things like that, um, in good quantities if we want to make sure that we're having this complete protein. It's what we call complete protein if it contains all those nine essential amino acids. Now, it's important to note as well that there are six conditionally essential amino acids, um, and these are things like arginine, cysteine, glutamine, tyrosine, these are um, 
conditionally essential because it means at certain points in our life, we will not be able to make sufficient amounts of those. So, for example, children, they are essential to children because they are not um, able to produce those. Or also, if you're ill or you're stressed, they are or also pregnant. or pregnant. Certain amino acids become yeah essential in pregnancy. Or or. Yeah, if you're old, if you're older, these are the things that we also need to be getting from our diet because we cannot make enough in the body. So we need to, if we're looking at foods in isolation, animal proteins have a higher biological value than proteins from plant sources because these are, they're complete, um, they're very bioavailable because the animal, the protein from the animal sources um, is sort of more similar to human cells so we can um tend we tend to be able to kind of digest and assimilate them easier um and we also will find sort of higher levels of these these tend sorry speak properly jade we tend to find higher quantities of protein um in animal foods so for example basically from a kind of calorific perspective you're looking at sort of less calories for more protein so if you're looking at something like tuna steak like a steak of tuna contains 32 grams of protein now that is a lot of protein for not a lot of you know calories um versus if you are trying to get 32 grams of protein from something like chickpeas <laughs> oh i love the one with um the the, the comparison with peanut butter <laughs> god like, i don't oh, know how much peanut butter you would have to eat oh it's an insane amount like a whole tub or something yeah it, oh god and the fat in that my god imagine the calories um you know obviously tempeh and like um soy um is bet is sort of a, a good form of um plant protein because it's complete as well but the issue with soy there's so many issues with soy often and it's very gmo um you know very monocultured crop and there's there's a lot of other issues with that potentially phytoestrogens if you if you know you're you're kind of worried about that so it's it's i i don't really love it when i have clients who are coming in and having soy at breakfast lunch and dinner um mm. but you can get your complete protein from plants. You know, there's not saying that you can't, um, but you do need to know kind of what you're doing a little bit because if you've only got soy buckwheat quinoa that essentially complete and you're also getting a lot of um, carbohydrates, for example, um, from those foods such as quinoa, think about, you know, the, the quantities you'd have to be eating um, to get the same amount of protein as you would from a turkey breast, for example, because turkey is very high in protein um, mm. in comparison to something like chicken. Um, then y you basically get this kind of, it goes along the lines of the protein leverage hypothesis, which is the fact that the body will eat as much as it, this is obviously a hypothesis, but the concept is that the body will eat as much as it takes to reach its nitrogen balance, which means it reaches the point where it has enough protein to kind of work with this protein turnover um and it will not worry about the calories so for example you will need to keep eating and eating and eating and if you're trying to maintain a steady weight you're trying to avoid weight gain and things like that and you're on a vegan diet um mm. 
Or if you're trying to work on your blood sugar regulation. Yeah, or you're trying to avoid excessive amounts of bloating and, you know, Mm. kind of like too many beans and grains for your digestive system to handle. You're really going to start to struggle. Um, And this is where a lot of people will, will opt and go for sort of like protein powders as well. But again, you know, we'd always recommend that the majority of the food, that you, the, the protein that you're consuming on a daily basis comes from whole food sources. So it isn't... Also, um, Roger has just farted and exited the building. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, he has exited the building. Just dropped a left. bomb. I know. <laughs> He's just wandered out the studio door, having done a massive fart. Lovely. Was that a liver fart? Oh no, he had uh, he had fish this morning for his breakfast. Oh. He usually gets lamb's liver. You're right. Yeah. On the um, subject of protein, that dog is very well fed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it basically. No, not all protein is created equal. And it's really good if you are kind of on a more of a plant-based diet to be very mindful of where you're getting your complete protein from and ideally that you're combining. And a really good sort of um, tip to take away on this is um, most of the time, if you combine a grain with a bean or a legume, you will end up with um, all of your essential amino acids. Um, Mm -hmm. so that tends to be a good trick instead of just putting chickpeas or a dal or, you know, something like that peas on your plate, you need to also think about maybe adding some kind of brown rice with it, or, um, you know, if you're having an oat cake with your hummus or something like that, or maybe you're having your hummus with some whole grain bread, this is how you need to try and get the protein. But like we say, as a result, you also end up with quite a lot of carbohydrate. Yeah, because I think what we need to understand and take away from that is that when we look at a chickpea, a chickpea is about 70% carbohydrate. It's not It's not a pure protein source no. in the same way that a piece of beef or fish is a, is a pure protein source. So when you're trying to work really hard at balancing your blood sugar, which is, as we know from previous episodes of the podcast, a very, very basic fundamental way of improving the way you feel on a daily basis, helping your hormones, helping your energy levels. It's very, very difficult when you are avoiding animal sources of protein. Yeah. And then the other thing is, if you're asking that, is all protein created equal? I like to think of like whole food sources as as a combination, as we talked about on FatPod as well. I'm just going to say on FatPod because I Mm. actually don't, we don't, we can drop the the. Yeah. is the fact that all foods contain some level of fat, protein, carbohydrate, and often fiber, not always. If it's a plant, it will have some level of fiber in it, maybe. Um, And so, you know, and then you've got your micros. So if you are having your protein in the form of beef, for example, then you're getting things like your heme iron and your vitamin B12 and some creatine and some taurine, which are amino acids that you really aren't going to find in plant sources um and yeah it's just so much easier to get that Mm. broad spectrum of nutrients things like copper and stuff like that that you're going to be finding in um you know liver and certain um seafoods 
you know, it's it's so much harder to get these in in plant forms and good yeah. quanti- quantities. So, and vitamin A, vitamin A is one of my favorite. Vitamin A, vitamin A is yeah. my favorite nutrient. I think I love vitamin A. And actually, I was recording a podcast the day before yesterday with um, Tanya Borofsky, which is coming out and all about thyroid health. And, you know, the overwhelming takeaway from that podcast is that, you know, thyroid health is absolutely essential for everything. You know, every cell in our body needs thyroid hormone. Lots of us have issues with our thyroid. And one of the nutrients that the thyroid needs to function optimally is vitamin A. But it needs preformed vitamin A in the form of retinol, which only comes in animal foods. And, you know, you can get beta carotene from carrots and other orange vegetables. But most of us actually are really poor converters of beta carotene into vitamin A. Yeah. So we're doing our bodies a disservice in, in many cases by not supplying it with the easiest option Mm. Um, and I think you know there's there's obviously nuance to this um, discussion and if you are someone that is really thriving on a plant-based diet and everything that Jade mentioned at the beginning is working for you you know skin hair nails digestion you're having good bowel movements your energy is stable throughout the day strong you you're strong you really feel well then you're doing something right. But if you are someone that's looking to optimize your health, who feels sluggish, who struggles with energy, who has a dysregulated menstrual cycle, who feels like they're a bit up and down hormonally, then actually you need to be prioritizing these nutrients. Mm -hmm. Yes. On the subject of that, Grace, is it worth just quickly going into protein powders? Because this is something I get asked about quite a lot. Yeah, I think so. Because I'm always, I, I actually don't work with fully vegan clients, especially when I'm doing the fertility stuff, because I, I actually feel like it's um, unethical of me to do that. I'm happy to work with vegetarians in their fertility journey. But if I am working with someone just generally uh, a general consultation who's more plant based, I do tend to re- I don't know about you, but I do tend to recommend a protein powder, like, for example, some sort of smoothie at breakfast so that I know that they're getting I'm not having to say you have to eat soy three times a day or you have to eat a whole plate of chickpeas when I know that they've got SIBO and they actually cannot eat yeah. bloody chickpeas. So, yes, talk about that, Jade. Yeah, so I think it's like, you know, I'm going to reiterate that I would always encourage the majority of your protein to come from whole food sources. But like you say, and I see in, client, in clinic and even myself, you know, I mean, I train a lot and I am strong and muscly. And sometimes I think, gosh, I haven't had enough protein today. Or if I come back from the gym and I think I don't have time for a proper meal, I think I need to have something. I do like to have really good protein powders available. So um, they are a good thing to think about, but you have to really focus on the type and the quality. So the 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 best protein powder that you can get is is a whey based protein powder and that is if you think about um that obviously comes from dairy and if you think about yogurt it's that kind of white no it's not white it's the kind of clear liquid that you get that kind of forms on top of yogurt that's essentially whey and the casein is more of the kind of white creamy stuff so the whey is an amazing like form of leucine which is the most important um, amino acid for building muscle and um, 
you can get different forms of whey. So you can get whey concentrate, whey isolate, and whey hydroisolate. Whey isolate um, tends to be a better quality protein than whey concentrate because it doesn't, in terms of calories and things like that, because it doesn't contain as much fat, carbohydrate, or lactose as whey concentrate. So sometimes people who are a bit lactose intolerant can actually tolerate whey isolate um, because it takes a lot of that out of it. Um, And you will tend to find that whey isolate is more expensive for that reason. Now, if you're going for whey, I strongly recommend that you try and find a company that's organic and grass-fed because, again, like just like you would with your milk and your meat, you need to be thinking about the quality and the, and the kind of life of that cow. Um, so the organic protein company is where I get my way from and it's fantastic and it tastes amazing. Um, if you are a, if plant-based and you, or you are really lactose intolerant and you can't, I mean, whey hydroisolate is easier, I think, to get in the US than here, but that, that's even more processed than isolate. So technically it's like 99.9% protein and you shouldn't really have any kind of reaction to that if you're lactose intolerant. Um, but like, like the, as you can imagine, in terms of flavor, if you remove the fat and the carbohydrate from the whey concentrate, then it doesn't become as tasty. So, you know, it's serving different purposes. Um, And then if you want to go for something that's uh, plant-based, then, you know, you get, there's obviously soy, it's complete. um, And then most of the time you'll get a combined product. So you'll get something that's got like a bit of pea and a bit of rice or something like that. I wouldn't recommend just going for pea protein powder because pea is not complete protein. um, And it's kind of just so people just assume it is because it's often sold on its own so I go for a blend but the other thing to be mindful of again is the quality of the sources because we've mentioned that soy is very GMO but also actually certain types of plants so for example something like hemp if hemp is grown on soil that's quite high in heavy metals you know somewhere where there's a lot of lead in the soil or arsenic or cadmium or something like that it actually leaches a lot of that out of the soil and you know then if you think about the fact that this is a very very high quantity of an isolate of this um plant protein what's to say that it's not quite high in heavy metals as well so you Mm. really need to think about the sources because these are such high quantities of an isolate um that you wouldn't ever be having that if you were just sort of eating it I mean not you're gonna be eating raw hemp but you know what I mean um it's a really interesting point or like a rice because we know that rice is quite high in arsenic yeah, well, it depends where it's grown. But the thing mm. is, is we kind of forget about the quality of the soil. And that's another reason why I'm a big fan of whey protein, because, you know, it's gone through the cow. You can you can um, you can find out so much more about the source than you can with with plants. The other thing to mention, I think, is collagen, because um it's got there's a lot of hype. And obviously you and I both use collagen and I get people asking me about collagen quite a lot of the time. Now, this is important to note that collagen is not a complete protein. So it doesn't have all nine essential amino acids. It does. It is not the equivalent of a protein powder. 
Um, so that's important because I think some people just assume that because it's from an animal source, it will be complete. It's not. However, it does contain higher levels of things like glycine, proline and alanine that are that are sometimes conditionally essential. Um, and, you know, it's very good for certain things, it, depending on the type of collagen that you choose. Like, for example, if you've got joint issues or joint pain or your hair's falling out or, you know, you need to repair like an injured muscle. It's really great to add to your routine. And obviously it's important for skin health. But I wouldn't have it instead of a protein powder. I would have it in addition to a protein powder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. I'm going to be, I've stocked up on collagen for after my C-section to help my healing. Well, I've stocked up on bone broth, gelatin, collagen, yes. any any like slow cooking meats that I know have got all that lovely connective tissue and will like release all the lovely bone marrow into the sauce. Yeah. That's, that's where you want to go for kind of repair and healing. Exactly. Um, just quickly, quickly, quickly to finish. What about for any kind of parents that are listening? Um, you know, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny one because neither of us are parents yet, although I'm about to be talking about you know what you should feed your kids and obviously we're dealing not only with what we think they should have from a nutrition point of view but the fact that children are very fussy eaters mm -hmm. and often as a parent you end up losing that battle um but how can we like how can we get more protein into children's meals if if all they want to eat is you know plain pasta or carbohydrate heavy meals I, and, and actually I think the collagen one is useful because it is tasteless colorless it dissolves into liquids into yogurt into sauces agreed and yes it's not a complete source of protein but it's a far sight better stirring some collagen powder into your child's porridge in the morning than nothing at all yes and also um it is it's high in some of those conditionally essential amino acids that children need. So you've got to see those as essential for children as well as the nine, you know, essential amino acids that we need as adults. Um, mm. So I think that's good. Like, yes, actually, you know, is there some kind of powder, the collagen or even like an isolate, for example, like a whey isolate doesn't taste of anything either. If you, you know, um, if you're putting it into something that's already got a bit of flavor, like, a, you know, a yogurt with some fruit or whatever um, things like, yeah, you can add it into soups, you can add it into oats, you can add it into yogurt, you can add it into stews, um, water, you know, collagen will dissolve in water. And actually, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Bear Biology because they've got a good um, sort of uh, strawberry flavoured strawberry flavored um, yeah. skin for, um, which is with some vitamin C as well, that you can just add it into um, yogurt or water but definitely don't ever add it hot because that would kill the vitamin c um in that particular product and then the other thing i would say is things like obviously quinoa and then different types of pasta so you and i are massive advocates for like a pea pasta or red lentil pasta because we don't have 
traditional gluten rich pasta anyway but those have got more protein in them they've got more amino acids in them than something like a wheat pasta and Mm. if you then add you know a little bit of fish or something like that or some turkey mince you know into that pasta mix then you're going to end up with like quite a decent amount of protein in that meal so I think that's key and then the other thing that um, might be quite fun to try is can you make your own like jellies and stuff you know get some gelatin add some collagen in there like because we know that kids love that kind of thing Um, Mm. so I would I would work with that but also just don't don't kind of have in your mind that a high protein meal has to be a piece of meat or fish and some vegetables you know you can get so much protein into foods from various things um even if you are doing porridge for breakfast if you've got whole milk in there you've got a good amount of protein if you add in some chia seeds as well and then you add in some collagen and even if you like whisk a, an egg into that porridge, I mean, you've got lots of good quality mm. protein and fat in there. So it's just about kind of knowing your sources um, in terms of protein, not in terms of pasta. Uh, <laughs> and and thinking about how you can add little bits. The other thing is cheese. Cheese is such a good quality source of protein. It's super high. Like, um feta makes it better doesn't it grace yes (laughs) i love feta. so like you know and even like sometimes i get hate on instagram now if i post about a different cheese oh goodness the other day i had had halloumi and someone replied and they were like why are you eating halloumi (laughs) (laughs) variety is the spice of life guys um but yeah like things like that and like Again, if you don't want to present your child with a whole, and like, please don't give them fish fingers, but if you like present them with like a whole piece of cod, flake that cod into something, you know, give them some kind of like curry with a bit of f- cod flaked in, or again, the pasta with the, you know, there are ways of doing it. I know I'm not a mother, um, but I am an auntie. And I can tell you that my sister is absolutely incredible at adding protein to everything she adds protein to her snacks for my nephew as well he's one and a half um every single time she gives him some food there is some source of protein because she knows that that's what she needs to do and the other thing is is when we talk about this protein turnover quickly we need this is the reason why a lot of bodybuilders eat little and often because we do actually need like protein throughout the day um, to use it as much as possible. If you eat a colossal amount of protein in one meal, it is unlikely that all of that protein will be used versus mm. if you kind of split it out throughout the day. So again, be yeah. mindful of that. And also from a blood sugar balancing perspective, make sure there's some protein in your in your snacks as well if you're feeding them snacks just to kind of keep things regulated and make sure that you're getting enough protein in because if you're now aiming for a lot more protein you've got to find ways of getting it into the diet yeah and now speaking of bodybuilders you're off to the gym I am (laughs) (laughs) I think we have covered a huge amount there Jade um this is going to be a great episode I hope so thank you so much do you want to just wrap up with how I'm sure people know where to find you by now but just so in case they don't (laughs) um yeah so I am 
at underscore Jade Layton on Instagram. And my company is called The Holistic Health Method. So I very much believe in, uh, you know, holistic health, making sure that you're healthy from all in all aspects of your life rather than just diet and move, movement. And um, it's theholistichealthmethod.com if you're interested in any, in any kind of one-to-one work or me speaking at some event or in a school or whatever so yeah amazing brilliant thanks well thank you so 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 much and um we shall probably do this again no doubt well I hope so I just love chatting to you It's, it's the best combination of like best friends chatting about the stuff that we're passionate about and hopefully yeah helping people to optimize their lives a little bit perfect all right jade i will let you go have Have a great great day. day bye thank you so much again for tuning into state of mind i really hope you enjoyed this episode with jade if it sparked any questions for you do just get in contact with us on instagram at grace kingswell at Jade Layton and we will do our best to put you right. I hope you enjoyed this little mini series and I hope to be back with the podcast very soon. Lots of love. Bye-bye.